This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Halftime Show Podcast. Oh, he loves the fire and what a goal! This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adori on Pulse 95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! Salam and welcome to the Halftime Show with Omar Duri. I'm your host covering everything sport, international, local. Hope you're having a blessed day wherever you're tuned in around the world, whether it's 95FM, Pulse95Radio.com, our app, Sharjah Broadcasting Authority, or if you're chilling at home live watching us on YouTube. Thank you very much for connecting with us today. It is an honor to have this next guest on the show. Now we talk about coaches and you've heard me coach, but this is my coach. So that makes him an extraordinary coach. So I hope you enjoy having the one and only uh, Peter Augustine on the show. He is a FA development officer. He does so much great work for the London FA. It's going to be such a great show. So make sure you tune on on the only place to be at three, the halftime show on Pulse 95. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri. Oh, he loves the fire then. What a goal! This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri on Pulse 95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! Salam and welcome back to the Halftime Show with Omar Duri. I am your host coming everything sport, international, local. It's not every day I have this guest. It's the first time ever and what an honor to have him on the show. Peter Augustine, welcome to the show. Thank you, Omar. You're, you're, you're far too kind. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to have a, we're going to have a, a very eventful show because it's never, it's never a dull chat with you. The other day you said to me, I'm super busy and you even got me in a 45-minute conversation telling me <laughs> How busy <laughs> you are. I can't wait to get you on this side of the world, um, Pete, someone that I look up to, uh, a mentor to me. And, and really, when I went back to the UK, he was someone that helped me out a lot. Just discover um, a lot of things within coaching, within myself and also within the game. So, Pete, it's such an honor to have you on the show, man. Thank you for coming on. Hey, listen, it's a real pleasure, Omar. It's always great to chat to you. Always great. Pete, can I ask you now... How we're going to get all this in one show is going to be interesting, but I'm going to go straight into it. What makes a good coach? Wow, that's a big question. That's a really big <laughs> question. Um, I, I think it's really, it's kind of, um, I think the most important thing for a coach is to first of all, be somebody who understands the players who they're working with. I think that's the most one of the most important things. If you don't understand that, I think you're, you're going to struggle. You then have to think about, for me, what, um, uh, uh, well, geez, this is such a big question. Uh, what, is it, what is it you want to achieve um, from your coaching? And then the, the last thing is, I think, what, what are, uh, how do you relate to players and, and, and what's your knowledge base? I think a, a good coach is somebody who doesn't take uh, it doesn't take their learning for granted and it, it isn't always rushing. I think that's always the thing for me is when I see coaches and then they say, I've got this qualification, then I've got that qualification. And I just always think, to them, where's, the, where's the time that you've had to gain the knowledge that's going to help you to work with your players? Because the players are the most important thing. Because, you know, if you think about it, if you're working with a big club, say, for example, even if you're working with a small club, if you've got supporters, the supporters don't come to watch the coach. They come to watch the players. And I think we, we, we mustn't forget that as coaches. Our job is to not to tell them, is to help them to explore and to find their way in the game. So, yeah, it's a big answer. I mean, I've probably rattled on a bit too long already, but, but yeah, I just think that being a good coach is you've just got to understand your environment. That's, and that's so, so important. Absolutely. And one of the things you mentioned there is, is getting certified or getting the qualifications. How does mm. one get certified? I think it, it, what, getting certified is that it, actually that's the easy part because uh, when I first started getting certified was actually quite difficult um, because it was whether or not you, you, you happened to bump into the right person who knew, um, who knew the person to tell you who to go and speak to it. over here it was with County FAs but now it's changed so much I mean you can't you know if you're in the football world if, you, if you're not qualified you're deliberately 
trying not to get qualified because it's so easy to get on a course. So, so say for example, and I'll and I talk, I'll talk about uh, England to start off with, is that you would um, you contact the FA, you start off at your level one, um, take your level one. Oh, well, oh, actually, now we've got a new qualification called a playmaker, which is a pre-level one. So you have to have that first, then you take your level one, then you go into your uh, level two, um, which will be probably uh, changing fairly soon, and then your three, four, and then five if you decided to work in in a professional academy. But if you want to, if you want to get qualified, I don't. I, I think the journey to get qualified is not difficult. It's what you do in between your qualification that's the hardest bit. And how long does that take? You mentioned journey. How long does that take normally? Does it vary person to person, or is it through the qualifications that you have to get your experience? No, it, 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 it depends on the person. If, you, if you're what we call a badge chaser, you can get through your qualifications quite quickly. But if you're somebody who works, and this is the difference, there's the, there are coaches and there are badge chasers, badge chasers. If you're a coach, you'll take your time. You'll understand, right, I'm at level one now. What do I need to do to get to level two? What information? How am I going to become a better coach? How am I going to work with my players? Yada, yada, yada. All those things, you'll ask yourself those questions. But to be quite honest, when you start off, you probably don't even know that. What you want to do is, you, if you've enjoyed your, your experience, you'll want to just go and take the level two. Say, for example, I'd use that as, a, as a, an example. But the, 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 the point is, it, it's to get that experience. So as you start, to, and you can talk to, there's so many people you can talk to now as well. You know, you, you're doing something with your, with your players and you say, I'm not quite sure about this. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll give this person a call or, or I'll, I'll watch this webinar or I'll do this or I'll do that. All that is in place. And I think until you've exhausted all of those things and you've really started to get to yourself, well, I need to know a little bit more, then you might go on your level two and so on and so forth. So I think it's a continual journey um, and it never stops. That's the thing. Uh, you know, it never, ever stops. You, you know, even... Uh, you know, I, I see myself as reasonably experienced um, just in a number of years. But, I, you know, the other day I was, I was uh, on a, um, a, a podcast and I learned so much just listening to, to other people talk. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, my gosh. You, you just keep learning all the time. And I think that's the great thing about, you know, doing this job is that you just never stop learning. Do you have to love the game to be successful in the game? I think that's <laughs> that's part of it. That's part of it. I think this is the thing: is is that what, what do you, what do we deem as success? Is success working for a professional club? Is success uh, uh, working with individual players? It depends on what you deem as success. The thing, the piece about loving the game. I, I mean, again, I can only speak personally. I just love football. I I could do it all day, every day, uh, and I I do do it all day, every day. Um, and I think you have to have that passion for the game that helps you in your success, you know, because what it, it drives you on to be the, the, the best coach that you can be. And you're being the best coach you can be because of the players that you work with, you know, knowing that, you know, you know, I mean, meeting people like yourself on courses, Omar, that's what that's what drives me on. The fact that we're still talking, you know, those are the things that drive me on. You, 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 you know, I, I class you as a friend. You know, and we met on a coaching course. That's the power of football, and I think. And again, that's if you love it. If you love it, your love kind of transfers to other people as well. If they see that you're enthusiastic about it, absolutely. That's why I can talk to you all day, man. We only have one show to do today. Uh, coming up next, um, we're going to talk to uh, Pierre Gustin about how the game has changed, how technology is involved, how coaches have moved on, and how emotional intelligence is a huge part of the modern game. This is the halftime show. Omar Adouri. Oh, he loves the fire What a goal! This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri on Pulse95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! Salam and welcome back to the Halftime Show. You can see I'm super excited because it's not every day I get to chat to this guy. He's super busy. And the fact I got him on the show just for you guys, actually for me as well, I'm quite selfish about that, is great. Augustine, welcome to the show, man. 
Thank you, Omar. I took the day off for you, my friend. I took the day off, especially <laughs> Listen, for you. Listen, all you want. And when you come out here, I will personally make sure we get a good chat, some good football, and I see you playing FIFA in the background, maybe a game of FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> That's on. You're on for that one. You're on for that now, one. Um, Pete, the game has changed through sports science and technology. What's the game going to look like in five years? Again, that's a difficult question. Um, I think what's happening is is players are becoming, obviously they're becoming fitter, they're becoming faster, uh, evolutionary-wise, you know, with the, all the science that's going on, we're able to produce better players further down the pyramid, which comes up in, and that, and that extent, ex- extenuates itself when, you, when you're when you at the very top. I think, I think the game, can it get any quicker? I think from a point of view of not necessarily, not necessarily that the players getting quicker, I think they will get quicker. But I think it's more to do with, you know, those little marginal gains, you know, with things like sports science, like things like, you know, um, simple things, not simple things, but things as complex as mental health, player mental health. Those kind of things, they will be start to become. That's the stuff that that, that really starts to uh, change the dial around players. You know, how do they feel their feelings? Um, uh, um, the, the softer skills. You know, who looks after the players? How they're looked after? How they recover? You know, you, you know yourself. You, you hear managers talking about the, the the physical demands that are being put on players at the moment. You know, playing three games a week in the Premier League. Now, players being able to recover is going to be really, really vital. That skill to, uh, to recover is going to be huge. So that will come in how they're looked after in their early years. So instead of maybe flogging players, uh, I, I, I use that term very, very loosely, um, in their younger years, playing game after game after game, you might probably do a bit more training so that they're, uh, and, and a bit more things like um having things like Pilates, yoga, all those, you know, different types of training that help the players' bodies um, uh, um, uh, become more durable, if you like, because that's the other thing as well, because, you know, recovering from an injury. Um, My son is a a strength and conditioning coach and, um, uh, and he talks to me a lot about, you know, how players recover um, how they're trained and some of the detail that he goes into is just I, I'm like whoa geez you know as a football coach I can't know that so it's really important that the multidisciplinary teams that surround players are very very good and I think that's another thing that's you know I think we'll see um, I mean they have big backroom staffs now I think that's going to get bigger in the future you know pretty much like American football yeah, it's interesting you mentioned like with the three days a week and the recovery, a lot of people associate that and affiliate that with the physical fitness. But h- how do now coaches and players recover mentally to get to the next game? Again, that's, that's, that, that's, yeah, that's, again, that's quite a difficult one because, um, you know, again, it's each, each um, coach is very, very different. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, if you're, if, especially in the UK, with uh, managers not being given much time, the this mental stress that must be on a manager nowadays. So you've played three games in a week, say, for example. So you've played Saturday, you've played Wednesday, then you've played maybe uh, uh, you might go and play in Europe. Oh, well, yeah, you might play in Europe or something. And if you lose two out of those three games, now all of a sudden people are talking about you getting the sack. So that that stress can transfer itself to the players because the players, if they like the coach, will try a bit harder. And normally when you try a bit harder is when you become more tense, which when you're likely to make more make more of a mistake. Then if you if you imagine that you're in that mid table section as you see a lot of teams are now, our, our team Arsenal, where you know you know you're talking about two defeats, you're 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 you're, you're in near the relegation zone. You know, uh, and it's it's a real that 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 um, uh, mental stress. How the managers have to manage that and then manage their players. That's that's huge. That's yeah. huge. And I, I think it's too. It, it's you know for the for the layperson to to talk about. Um, oh well, they should do this. They should do that. And the, the managers think about all those things. All the things that any any of us think about. 
every manager would have been thinking about that. Oh, should I play this player or should I play that player? And sometimes you take a risk and, you know, if the risk pays off, happy days. If it doesn't, you know, you're heading further and further towards the exit door. Mm, absolutely. And that's why I think coaches have, have moved on. You know, the level of intelligence has, has developed immensely through, like you said, mental health, the psychological part, the mental fitness, mm. I call it nowadays a lot because it's, mm. it's, it's, it requires practice, like the physical fitness. How much mm. does emotional intelligence play in the game now with a coach assessing how the player is emotionally as well as physically? That's massive. Massive. I, I tell you, it's, it, it's, I, I, I was, I was working with a, uh, um, a club and, um, uh, in the non-leagues, um, a couple of seasons ago. And I was working with their under, tre- their tw- under 23 squad. And some of the things, when I first started, I reverted back because I hadn't coached for, for, for a couple of years. I reverted back to a style that I remembered that was successful, but I'd forgotten that really that the players weren't the same types of player as they are today. And that's just in two, two less than just in two years. The, the players were much more, uh, they were, uh, they, they weren't used to, to criticism. Um, they couldn't take coaches shouting at them. So you had to, so I had to change the way I was. And the thing about it is I know all of this stuff because it's what I, you know, but I still couldn't, uh, to start with, I couldn't get myself out of that, 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 heads, that, that headspace. But then what I started to realize, well, actually I have to treat each player as an individual and how I communicate with them is so important. So, you know, it's, it's like, you know, now as a coach, you have, well, the players going, you're actually having conversations with the players. So I'm saying to the, might say to a player, you need to get out here to mark this player. And a player will say to me, that's that distance is too far. And I go, okay, all right, tell you what, let's slightly change the shape. And I want you to just stay out here a little bit because that's the danger. Get George to come across and just, just fill in the hole that you've left and we'll get the center. All right, yeah, okay, boss, yeah. And you have those conversations during the game. And it made me realize that my thing was about taking away the pressure from the players. And I would do that from training. We are going to do this practice because this is what we're going to focus on on Saturday. Mm. You know, say for example, we're going to we're going to get see if we can get loads of crosses in because what's one of the ways that we we, we might beat this team? Um, play to our strength. So our, our strength was we weren't great at heading. So I said our crosses are going to be low driven crosses, and let's see if we can get on the end of them. So those are uh, we and we noticed. So we had success at the start of the season, no success in the middle of the season when we were trying to tra- chase results. And more success at the end of the season when we just took the pressure off the players. Big learning lesson for me there. Massive. Absolutely. There's two things you just reminded me of, actually, when I was in London, when I came to do my my, my coaching badges with you. Mm-hmm. One thing was in class. There was a theory class. I don't know if you remember this, but so normally our group was quite a good group. We were like on the front side, just next to you. Oh. And then you would yeah, normally yeah. say, who's going to go first? And then we would always go, we'll go first. Cause we were like your yeah. teacher's pets. Yeah. Like, we go first. <laughs> and, then, and then you went, and I think, I don't know if you knew this, but, but you went, all right, cool. So you're going to have some time to do this. You gave us something to do. And then I, I don't know if you knew we were always going to go first, but then we were starting to talk and you went rubbish. That is Crap, rubbish, you mm. lot. Honestly, I don't know what you talk about. It's a lot of rubbish. Mm. We, and we've got different age groups, and we all just went. What, what did what did we do? And then and then you said you said, you see how I made you feel. That's mm. how kids feel nowadays. Mm. And that was genius because even the the most experienced coach felt like a kid being shouted at. Mm. That was that was the first thing. And when I came back, it, every time. I was just about to let go. I yeah. remembered that. That was the first thing. Yeah. The second yeah. thing is we were out on the pitch and you knew I was mm. a quiet player. Yeah. yeah. And I was getting marked out of like a mm. small drill. And our drills, by the way, that you put us through, they were always so competitive. <laughs> yeah. Everyone wanted to like really step up and I was one of the quiet players. So I was getting marked out of the game and then you turned around and then you stopped getting and said, Omar, what I want you to do Okay. Mm. What I want you to do is just check your shoulder. Okay, mm. just check your shoulder. I know you can use both feet. I know you're good on the ball. Just check your shoulder. And then the others didn't know, obviously, what mm. the abilities were like for us players. Mm. We were just getting to know each other. And I don't know who it was, but someone fizzed the ball into my feet. I checked my shoulder. I let the ball run, 
away to someone else. Little one, two, we scored. And both teams started celebrating just because <laughs> of the level of instruction that you put forward. And it was, it was a good energy. So you created that energy where you always say this and it always makes me think, was it fun? Mm. How important is having fun in the game? Oh, it's huge. So huge. You have to, you, I don't think, I think, I think sometimes we forget that football is supposed to be something that we enjoy. And I think that that's the thing that sometimes goes out of it. I always think that if I, and, and I've just been saying it quite a lot recently on some of the uh, webinars that I've been doing, where I've said, if you can end the session with everybody smiling, it's been a good session. Whether or not things sort of like went wrong or went right, the, the session content itself doesn't really matter too much. Did you enjoy what you did? Did you enjoy your work on that day? And if you did, then that's great. So if you look back as a coach, you go, mm, I didn't get quite what I wanted out of that. That's your bit when you go afterwards, right? Okay, I didn't get that because this didn't happen, this didn't happen. But with the players left and they were saying, yeah, see you next week, coach. Yeah, blah, 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 that's really great. Well, then you know, like that's, I've got that bit. It's got to be fun. I used to say on the courses that this is not my course; it's your course, and I really believe that. So, you know, I am a, I am a, I'm like a service provider. I'm providing the service. If you leave the course and you think oh, terrible, I haven't done my job right. I've got to make sure that when you walk away, that you still enjoy football, you still enjoy coaching, that you want to come back for the next course. Because I'm trying to, I'm not only just trying to get you get you through that course and, and get you and get, make you a better coach. I want you on the next course as well. I want you to come back. I want you to say, I want to go on a course with, with that county or with the FA because this is the experience I've got. And it's great thing is, is that we've got uh, uh, coach developers who all feel that way. You know, they want people to enjoy the courses. And I think that's the massive change that I've seen since I've been doing this job is that the people, the, the coach educators, the coach developers want people to enjoy coach education. Brilliant. I told you guys, I said it was going to be fun. Right. Coming up next, we're talking <laughs> about how the game is diverse by nature, the work we're doing to to help get everyone involved in the game on the only place to be at three, the halftime show on Pulse 95. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Paduri on Pulse 95. Oh, he loves the fire and This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri on Pulse 95. Nice strike! Salam and welcome back to the Halftime Show with Omar Duri. Now, I'm so excited P. Augustine is here in the building with me, as you can see, uh, in a different country, unfortunately. But I am <laughs> going to get him over here, I promise. One thing's are better, I'm going to get him here. He's a, he's a coach development officer at the FA. He's done some incredible work. and He's had a huge influence on, on my career so far. And uh, and the fact I can call him my friend is, is, is incredible. Um, Pete, we spoke about what makes a good coach. We spoke about sports science and technology. But I want to I want to dive into something now, which sometimes has been overlooked uh, around the world. And the game is diverse by nature. So why has it been challenging to normalize people of ethnicity? Well, I, it, it's a difficult question for me to answer because I'm a a, a person of ethnic origin, and so um, it, it's. It, and I, I'm talking from a, from a UK point of view. For me. Um, in my role as a, as, as a coach development officer, I, and I have a specific remit to look at diversity and inclusion. I think that unfortunately, sometimes um, uh, ethnic, eth some ethnic coaches, some ethnicities are not seen as viable um, options for, say, managerial roles, say, for example, at the higher levels. And sometimes at the lower levels as well. It, it, it pains me that, you know, I, I, I walk around um, uh, and I go to many, many games and I don't see people who look like me and you on the benches. That's, that, that pains me. I think there's some good work going on at the moment and there's some, good, there's some really good initiatives that are, that are happening. Um, however, change is always slow in this area and I don't know why. Um, 
you, you know, you know, we, it, we're in the we're in the 21st century, and we're still having incidents of of, of of racist chanting on terraces and stuff like that. And I'm thinking to myself, that's I thought that was uh, something that was long gone. I was, but it's not. And unfortunately, it seems to be a, not just a it's not just a problem in in in, um, in the UK. It's a problem uh, around the world, around Europe, um, should I say? And it's something that I think the authorities have to get their heads together and say, well, okay, is this a priority that we need to address? And if it is, it needs resources. You need to resource it. You need to, to give uh, stiffer sentences and stiffer punishments to, to, um, to uh, individuals who perpetrate these acts. Um, we, need to, we need to start um, looking at the idea of, of uh, I, I, I know we, we've kind of got a Rooney rule over here, but, you know, making, making people who employ coaches a little bit more um, accountable for how they employ. Because if you go into it, you, you know, over here, 30% of, um, of players are uh, Black Caribbean or African. Mm. And that's just Black Caribbean or African. Not to think about Asian, and there's you know Asian players are are, are you know they're uh, they're so few. I think mm. it's a tiny amount, less than one percent. So something's wrong there. Yeah. Something you know you know we know that there are Asian players who are playing. They're playing. There's some great clubs over here that, that are producing players, but why aren't they making the next step up? And I I think that can only be because of of of, uh, uh, of, of people's bias. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, against Asian players. You know, you then take that into the management and the coaching spheres. You know, why don't we see more black managers on the touchline when thirty percent of the players uh, are, are, are black? Now, that to me, that's. I'm not saying it's got to transfer directly, but it's got to be a, a, a bigger prevalence. And I think it's we just got to ask them. We not we shouldn't be frightened to ask the question, and we shouldn't be frightened to say. Oh, actually, it might upset me if I if I if I say, yeah, be upset because you know black and Asian players have been upset for a very very long time. Mm. Yeah, because I have to admit, you know, growing up, I was I was met one of many that was a product of that system, but mm. I was reluctant to say anything because I didn't want to attract that kind of attention. And what I was going to mm. ask you is, why aren't there more Arabs, blacks, Asian cultures in the game? Um, is it like a fear of failure? Is it a fear of not being accepted? A combination of both? It's, it's a, there's so many there's so many factors. I, I mean, I've spoken to a number of um, um, ex-professional players, black players, and they've said that they don't even, they won't even bother take the badges because they just know they're not going to get a job. Mm. Um, but there are others who are still uh, uh, treading the pathway to, to try and get a, a first team job. I mean, it, listen, there's 92 professional football clubs in this country, mm. so you, you, there's the, 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 there isn't a lot of a huge amount of jobs. Um, there's only going to be one one first team manager, one assistant, one uh, you know uh, one 18s manager, one 23s manager. So the, the the job pool is is quite sparse, and people unfortunately employ in their image. That's what they do. It's a, it's a, you know, people feel safe. Oh, I know this person. Yeah. Okay. So he, he got his last club relegated, but, but he's worked at this level before. Mm. So it's that safety thing. Like, you, know, you know, you know, black coaches are seen as a risk because they haven't got any experience, but they don't get any experience because they don't get given roles. Mm. So and I, I know people say, oh yeah, well, a lot of English coaches are, are struggling. Yes, they are. That's true. But if you look at the demographic and the makeup of the game, you've got to say, well, black coaches are are, 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 are noticeably absent yeah. and they're conspicuous by their absence. So, you know, and, and, and Asian players, they're also mm. conspicuous by their absence. So we have to kind of say, well, something's not right here. Yeah. Are there any, any coaches out there that you're surprised haven't landed one of the 92 jobs in England, for example, that are talented, whether they're ex-pros or not? Yeah, this, listen, I, 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 I think that there is a real, um, there's a really good talent pool over here. I really do. I think, you know, we, we, we give ourselves a hard time over here saying that, you know, you know you're saying, oh yeah, English coaches, this English, English coaches are fantastic. 
I really do believe that. I think that we've got, you know, and this is not, this is not, um, this is not a colour thing here or, or a racing here. You know, we breed some brilliant coaches because the system over here, you, you know, uh, means that you've got to actually, you've got to try to, you know, you've got to try, you've got to try hard to to, 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 to be a good coach. And you know, I, I speak to some of uh, some of the uh, uh, black coaches who I've met. You know, I, I won't mention their names, but there's some really fantastic talent out there. Mm. I mean, it really is. And when you when you see that they, they you know, they're struggling to get a job, you kind of go, wow. And you see some other people who keep getting jobs. You think, well, you've, it's the fifth club you've been at and you failed. Mm. How, how, have you, how have you managed to get another job? I just got, you know, you know there needs to be a bit of a shake-up. How that happens, I don't know. I don't know how that shake-up's going to happen. But I think, um, but I do believe, I, I, I think that there are people, you know, it, in authority who do want to make a change um but you you can't you can't make a business uh um employ people who they don't want to employ yeah yeah absolutely and we we're almost reaching full time on the halftime show we got one more segment we're talking about philosophy and sports philosophy when it comes down to management (laughs) next so make sure you stay tuned on the only place to be at three the halftime show on pulse 95 this is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri. Oh, he loves the fire and what a goal! This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri on Pulse95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! Salam and welcome back to the Halftime Show with Omar Duri. Now, if you're just joining in now and you're kicking yourself for missing this wicked show, don't worry, you can catch us on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud if you like a podcast, or even head over to the YouTube channel. Check out Pulse95 Radio and you get to see people like my, my guest over here and myself, P. Augustine, and here on, on the Halftime Show talking about all things coaching. Um, so glad uh, you, you could make it on the show, P. Honestly, sir. You know, me and you could talk football all day, so this is just like a normal conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, philosophy gets branded as a trending word nowadays in coaching. How does one identify a coach's philosophy? There's one for you. Whoa! <laughs> I think the philosophy. I think that sometimes we, we, we when we talk about philosophy, I think we sometimes get it a little bit, little bit twisted. Um, a philosophy is 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 the thing that you hold dear to you, you know, and that's 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 down to things like um, how you behave, type of players as, as that you want around you, um, the t- type of behaviours that happen in the, at, at the club that you're that you're um, or the team that you're that you're coaching or managing. I think that's your philosophy right there. So, say for example. Um, for me, I think the most important thing in, 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 in my philosophy is, is that when we, when we turn up at training, that we're going to learn something that we didn't know um, when, we, when we started, that we're always going to be polite to each other. Um, that, you know, my, I don't like my players arguing with referees, say, for example. That, to me, that's a, that's a massive no-no. So those are the things that make up my philosophy. And there's, there's a few more other things. My playing style is slightly different as well because that, that that's different from your philosophy. Your philosophy might be, yeah, my, well, uh, we, we'll always play, but you can't always play. You can't always play that nice, pretty football, um, especially at amateur levels because one week one week you're playing on a really lovely pitch, next week you're playing on a terrible pitch, next week you're playing on AstroTurf. You know, it's, it's all those things, but you can have an intention that you want your players to be technically good. You want your midfielders players to be able to be comfortable on the ball anywhere in the, on the pitch, yada, 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 all those sort of things. Um, but my, my, my playing style will change depending on the players that I have and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and where I'm playing and, and the, level, uh, the level that I'm playing at. I, I, and I used to think my philosophy was the way we played. And I, and I took that into a club once and we, we you know, I, I was there for, I don't know, maybe three or four months. Um, uh, oh no, longer than that. Um, maybe half a season, I started in the Christmas, went to the end of the season. I think we won two games or something like that because I had this, I said, we are going to play like this. We're going to play out from the back, no matter what. Doesn't matter. But teams realised that and they would just press us and we couldn't get out. And I didn't see it because I was just so blind with it. This is my philosophy. 
It wasn't. It was my playing style. My playing style was wrong for that level. And I learned from that. It was a huge learning curve for me, to be quite honest. And I think that's why I say philosophy is a bigger piece. It's, 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 philosophy surrounds you. You know, it's, it's not a bit of, it's, it's just, it, it, you know, it's like, um, it's like you, the part of your philosophy is also the culture that you create. So who are the players in your team and so on and so forth. I mean, things like um, uh, when I was um, uh, academy manager at Hampton Richmond, um, we had one of our boys was, uh, was, uh, was Muslim and he wanted to pray. Now, now he, he, didn't, he, didn't, um, he didn't tell us that to, to start off with. And then we had to start to work, well, okay, we've got to find somewhere for him to pray. And I didn't know that he was going off and praying in one of the toilets. And, I just, and when I found that out, I said, no, 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 no. That's not what's happening. So we found somewhere for him to go and pray. Because that to me, that's, that's our culture. We support him in his beliefs. That's really important. And I think that's, that's part of your philosophy is your culture. What culture are you breeding? Do players feel comfortable when they come to you? Do they feel that they can be themselves when they come to you? That's your philosophy. That's what I think. That's so interesting. Um, when I was in Southampton at Spice Rock College training with Arsenal when I was really young, I asked one of the coaches at the time, I said to him, which way is the sea or the ocean? Mm. And the reason why is because on the way you can find out how you, how you praise, you give your back to that. Mm. People were laughing at me at the time. Mm. And this was me growing up about 15, 16, mm. trying to get into mm. football. Um, mm. And then when I came out, there was jokes made about it. Mm. But when I realized who the people I was hanging around with, who, who the people mm. that were closest to me, they were mm. of black and ethnic minority and just found ourselves being in one. So when you mentioned the fact that you did that with your team, see how mm. the game has evolved from the right people, mm. educating how things mm. how things should be done. So I found that very interesting. Mm. Playing style and coaching uh, philosophy is, is a couple of things. You said it, you, you nailed it on the head when you said, you can't play a certain way if you haven't got the players for it in terms of mm. playing style versus philosophy. So I'm gonna throw a couple of coaches your way. Mm -hmm. And I want to see what your opinion, your opinion, so there's no wrong answer, is on those people. Um, and what I, what, how do you identify their style or ethos as well? Okay. We'll start off with a nice easy one. Sean Dyche. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's not so easy. You see, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> Sean Dyche might listen to this. Um, you know what I mean? I might be going to Burnley. I might try and get a job at Burnley one day. You never know, but no. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think, I think, to be quite honest, Sean Dyche is a little bit misunderstood. Mm. People think that he's just a long ball merchant and so on and so forth. I probably think that he's probably a little bit, he's, he's quite pragmatic in his style. He plays a 4-4-2 um, and he's got two big centre forwards that give people a lot of problems. But I've seen Burnley play and sometimes they'll, they'll suck you in, they'll play a bit then they'll go in over the top of you. So the, 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 the idea is that they see opportunities to play forward very quickly. They've, they've got good wide players who get the ball out wide and they'll try and whip balls in and that sort of stuff. So so to, to just think that they're just a long ball side, I think that's a little bit of a misnomer. It's a little bit unkind on to, 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 to say that about him um, because I don't think he's, he's that way. But he's got a certain... He, his style is based around his players. And I think that's I think that's good management. And he's kept Burnley in the Premier League for for a number of years playing playing that way. You know, mm. so yeah. So I, 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 if you wanted to say is is it one? If you want to say is it one or the other, you'd probably say it's a little bit more direct. But I wouldn't say he's a long ball. You um, think he'd uh, switch up his style if he went to a team like Everton? I think so. Yeah, I think so because mm. he would have the players to be able to do that. He's a good enough coach. Yeah, you know, and and, and you can't. You know, when I listen to him talk, I think to myself that, that what he's saying makes sense. He doesn't soft soap anything. I've, I, you know, and I quite appreciate, I quite like that in a coach. That they, you know, they understand if their their team's not done well. They also understand when their team has done well. So I think he's yeah. I think he's I think he's a decent coach. Pep Guardiola. Well, I think that's a, that. Now that is an issue. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but Pep is uh, you know. Pep Guardiola is a, is a is, I think is a is obviously is a fantastic coach, but if you again think about it, look at the players that he's got. Mm. You know, coaching that team, I'm not saying it's easy. Of course, it's not easy because he's working at, at the top level. And if it was easy, he'd win the, the league every year, and he hasn't. Um, but what I think he's very good at is noticing changing trends and 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 readjusting his players one of the things I, I love about watching Pep's teams and I've watched them quite a bit recently 
is the movement. And it's something that I, I, I talk to my players about, is the movement. I say to them, you know, it's not passing that kills teams, it's the movement. If you're constantly on the move, if you're pulling people out and you're swapping positions and so on and so forth, it must be an absolute nightmare to play against them at the moment. Because you look at the movement of their players, it's something to me that I just look at and I'm like, wow, love, love seeing that. And from a coaching point of view, I don't, because I, I, you know, it's, it's been a long time since I've been able to watch a game as a fan, but watching it as a coach, I'm looking at it and thinking, geez, that's just, you know, and sometimes I stop games and I go, oh, where, did, where, where was he? Where, how did, he was just there a minute ago. How did he score that? You know, and you, you watch the movement. So, yeah, so Pep Guardiola, I think he's just, you know, just, he, 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 if you, again, if you want to say, is he, is he, a, is he, is he, is it a playing style? Yeah, you say it was a playing style. But again, I think it's a little bit more, more nuanced than that. Is, is he, is he overcomplicating it or is he revolution, revolutionizing the game? Is he revolutionizing the game? I've got to be careful our answers because a lot of people would be shouting and saying, you know, what's he revolutionizing the game? <laughs> um, I, think, I think if you look at what he's doing with his players, you just go half back to Arsene Wenger. Mm. You know, that's, I, I see a lot of similarities to the way Arsenal Wenger's uh, sides played. In the in the in the early 2000s, with that great movement and and the yeah, idea, we go, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Those are the shirts. Um, yeah. Oh boy! I mean, and it, it reminds me of that. It's very obviously from that Barcelona school, yeah, where they the ball moves very very quickly. And I think you know that 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 early years, how the players are are developed, that has a big thing. Wenger, slightly different, I think in that he brought players into Arsenal and got them to uh, to, to, to believe in his, in his style of play. And, but he brought in players who, 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 who suited that. I mean, who can forget when he first brought Henri in and everybody goes, oh, is, is he a busted flush? And mm-hmm. look what he went on to achieve. Yeah. I know you're looking at my notes. I know, because you know I was going to ask you about Wenger later. I want to turn this, want to turn this um, Completely. Um, no, I, was, I had... This, look, here are all the names I had, okay? And we'll skim through them. Um, okay. I know me and you can... We can, we can we're going to carry on after the radio show is done. But, um, so, Sean Aish, Pep Guardiola, Sam Allardyce. Okay. Okay. Yep. Uh, Jose Mourinho. Yeah, yeah. Marcello Bielsa. Uh-huh. Alex Ferguson, Jurgen yeah. Klopp, yeah. Wenger, and the yeah. last one, legend, Pete Augustine. <laughs> <laughs> what, the guy can't get a job. <laughs> legend. <laughs> legend. And I won't let anyone tell me otherwise. Um, yeah, so skimming through those names, um, Sam Allardyce keeps getting the job, has one thing normally in mind associated with his name. Is that fair? Yeah. Has he earned it? Ex-England manager. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, you know, the thing is, I, 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 I do, I do feel sorry for Sam Allardyce because when I think about some of the things that he's done, the way he, 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 he brought technology into the game, and 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 the way he, I mean, you got remember that this is the man who managed to get people like Yuri Djorkaev, JJ Okocha, you know, uh, an Elka, um, uh, 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 was it Herrero? Herrero, yeah, he managed to get. Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got them to Bolton. How do, yeah. how do you manage that? You've got to be some kind of guy to get those people to to your club. And I think what what he's done is because uh, he managed to, to to do that at Bolton. People kind of think that, that that's his that's his only. He's it, 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 he's just a one trick pony. I don't think he is. I think he he looks at teams. He sees how, you know what they've got, and he tries to get the best out of what he's got. And he does that with limited. Uh, limited resources and that's got to be quite hard mm. especially in a league as competitive as the Premier League yeah. so I think uh, I think again I think uh, uh, people kind of say to it that he's old school I don't I don't again I don't think he is I mean I, I met him once when he was England manager and you know I'll be honest with you I find he, he was a lovely guy mm. you know he, he had time for you he, 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 he chats to you and that's that's that, that you don't often hear that about uh, about people in, in the game they, they don't they don't often have time. Uh, you know, football can be quite a, 
quite a, a, a quite a horrible game at times. But you know, he was. I've got to say, you know, he was a very, very, very pleasant man. Him and Sami Lee, great, absolutely fantastic. So, so I can't speak. Uh, I, I can't speak ill of him because I can only speak as I find. Mm. Um, you talk about Mourinho. Mourinho, you know, a serial winner. You know, from his days at Porto and. Um, and he's very highly thought of, obviously, in Portugal. Um, um, and not a lot of people know that he spent time at Benfica as well. Mm. So he's, he's, he's done, uh, and I think, a, a bit of at Sporting. So uh, he's, he, he's, done, he's done the rounds. And again, he's, um, is, he, is, is he the sort of manager that I, uh, I, I like his attention to detail. I think that he's... Um, uh, uh, he knows his. He obviously knows his stuff. Um, um, would I want him to be a, a manager of any t- team that I supported? Um, probably yes, because you know you're probably going to win a trophy with him. Would you have him? At um, if that's. Uh, uh, you have him again? at Arsenal. Would I have him at Arsenal? I, yeah, I, th- I, I think I, you know. I'll be honest with you. I, when when Spurs got him. Um, I, I thought Arsenal were going to go for him, mm. but uh, but you know uh, they went for for Arteta instead. But but again, you could, people could say, oh look, he's not doing that great at Spurs at the moment. But it's this is a unique season. It's a really unique season. So I think it's really hard to judge him on that. I mean, if you look at look at Manchester United when he was there, people were saying that he wasn't achieving what what he was uh, what he should have achieved. But they were comparing that to another person, Alex Ferguson. See that very smooth. <laughs> you can't take my job here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, I might come over there. Get that sunshine. <laughs> but if you compare anybody who was going to come in after Ferguson, mm. was always going to struggle. You know, the man was a genius. You, you know, if you if you look, see what he did, I mean, the last title that he won and the team that he won it with, you know, you you, you know, I mean, when Arsenal used to play against him, I used to think, oh, here we go, yeah. you know. But but you know, it shows how great at the time Wenger was when he he was able to 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 go hammer and tongs with Ferguson, mm-hmm. um, and, and and the fact that Ferguson would play mind games with Wenger showed how much respect Ferguson must have had for Wenger. So. So yes, yeah, so I think that you know, I, I think um, uh, it's really difficult to fill the shoes of somebody like a Ferguson. I mean, I mean, the, 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 what he won and the things that he did. You, you, he's, he's a he's a he's a legend. As simple as that, you know. Absolutely, you know, the stuff that he did was absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. So, who else have we got now? Marcelo Bielsa. Bielsa. Now he's a funny one for me. I, um, and I'm going to say something that probably might sound a little bit. Um, Bit controversial. Um, please, this is my only my, my this is my opinion. Mm. I think if you're a coach or a manager, whatever it is, if the situation changes, I think you have to be a, adaptable. I'm not sure whether Bielsa is as is as adaptable. Leeds are struggling a little bit at the moment, uh, but he's decided that he's going to stick to his guns and he's going to carry on playing the same way. And you have to take your hat off to somebody who's that stoic in their beliefs that they'll that they'll do that. Um, you know, the, the only thing is, is that you know when, when coaches like um, like uh, uh, Pep Guardiola talk about him and they say how, how, how great he is, you know they've been in his company, so he, he must he, there must be something about him why why these uh, people like that hold him in such high esteem. Um, and you could see, I mean, when Arsenal played Leeds and Arteta and, 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 and Arteta went, you could he was almost like in reverence of him. So there's something about him that says, you know, actually this guy knows his stuff. Because again, I don't know. I, I, th- I think being a great coach doesn't always mean that you have to win every every cup and every championship and every league. I, I, don't, I don't think that. I think there's something much more, much deeper than that um, about a coach. It's how they how the coach makes players feel. I mean, you look at that lead side. I mean, they run and run and run and run for him. Yeah. It's got to be something about him. You don't ever get the sense that. That, that he's ever lost a gesture. Yeah. Have you have you ever done a murder ball session in one of your in one of your teams? No, I don't even know what murder ball is. So. It's, that, it's that three hour <laughs> session that's non-stop where there's no whistling, no ref. <laughs> Just madness. No. Um, I mean, but again, this is the sort of thing, you know, people talk about that and they talk and and I don't know whether people talk about that from through knowledge or they talk about it through 
sort of like a, 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 a like a mythical thing because mm. I think that to, to, to play football for three hours yeah okay yeah you might do it a couple of times maybe in pre-season but during the season how are you going to do that yeah, you're yeah. gonna you, you players your players yeah. can't recover from that I, just, I, I don't know yeah Absolutely. so uh, yeah. I was listening to one of your shows and uh, there was a comparison sent to you between I think it was Klopp and Pep and mm. who did you pick? I think I picked I think I think did I I think I might have picked Klopp I can't remember why? just out um, of curiosity I mean, it's listen. It's a really hard one, yeah. you know. And I, I, I think they're both absolutely fantastic managers. I, I think what I like about um, Klopp is that he seems to have what I'd call that 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 touch of almost like um, he seems like he's he's slightly flawed, but he knows he's slightly flawed. Yeah. Whereas I think Pep is almost like, you, you know, if you walked through an airport lounge and you saw Pep Guardiola, you think, no, nah, I'm not going to talk to him. <laughs> yeah, but Jurgen yeah, Klopp, <laughs> yeah, Jurgen Klopp, he almost makes you feel as if you could go up to him and say, oh, hello, Jurgen. Any chance of a selfie? And you go, yeah, yeah, no problem. Whereas, I, I, listen, but that's just me. I might be, I might be to- talking totally total rubbish. And actually, Pep Guardiola is the one who'd come up to you and give you a, 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 a selfie. But yeah, I just don't know. I think it just seems like that for me. And I think you, you look at the players who play for Liverpool. When they lose, um, they look so disappointed. Not just for themselves, but also for the manager. Mm. You know? And I think that with, with uh, Pep, Pep is such a perfectionist. And I think sometimes that, that, that perfectionism can alienate you from players. Mm. You know, I, I, and I think that's... Um, Maybe I'm reading into it totally, totally wrongly, but you know. But I think they're both brilliant. They're both absolutely brilliant, and you know. And seeing, seeing. I mean, I'm not a Liverpool supporter, but but um, but seeing the way they're struggling at the moment, I I, I feel for him. And the last interview, I, you know, I was listening to him talk, and he was just well, I don't know. I mean, how many managers come on and say, well, mm. I don't know. I just I just don't know. You know. Mm. So. Yeah, I think that, 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 and that's just a personal thing for me. Fantastic. And you, when we have reached full time on the halftime show, Pete, man, it's been an absolute honor to have you on the show. Even better to have a chat with you as always. It's all, something I always pick up from you. Every time I uh, have a good conversation with you, I always go away and think, oh, he, said, he did say that about this. And, and, and <laughs> I can't wait to catch up with you again, hopefully on this side of the world. Uh, thank you. Thank you Definitely. for coming on the show. And also, um, a thank you for, for, all your support even after I finished you know my my coaching courses in London you've always been fantastic and, I, and I'm very very grateful for all the stuff you do uh, off the pitch as well as on the pitch so I appreciate you it's a pleasure it's a pleasure this is Pulse 95 tune in live every Monday Wednesday and Saturday from 3pm 